We've made it. We made it, y'all. This is the last preview podcast, divisional preview podcast, I will say. You clicked on the title, you know what it is. It's the AOS preview. Uh, this is the AOS Sands Mariners. So this is just four teams. I'm doing a Mariners only preview pod as this is a predominantly Mariners biased podcast. Uh, but that's going to be dropping day before opening day. Uh, so Wednesday. And then this one, you're listening to this, you know, maybe Wednesday as well. But this is dropping Tuesday, day after my NL West preview, fitting them all in right before the season started, as I've promised and I delivered. Uh, but thanks y'all for tuning in. It's the Chaos Ball Podcast. You know what it is. AOS preview. I don't have much preamble here. Let's just jump into it and preview uh, the division winner, the uh, 2022 Oakland. No, no. <laughs> just kidding. The Oakland A's did not win the division. They won 60 games. They lost over 100. They hit the milestone. They went 60 and 102. And maybe they got unlucky, but according to their Pythagorean win-loss, uh, they actually won one more game than theoretically they should have. Uh, really, this team is bad. This team didn't really improve much from last year. They uh, Actually, no, they, they did improve. I'll go over the additions, but it's the A's. Um, we know who the A's are. They have the lowest payroll. They develop guys and then trade them. Recently, we saw them trade Sean Murphy and Matt Olson. Uh, it's just how the A's exist. I just I don't know how there are faithful A's fans. I know y'all have had success and fun teams for sure. Um, and speaking as a Mariners fan, I know the pain of being a uh, you know fan of a baseball team that you know is not really relevant, uh, especially this century. But I don't know how y'all do it, especially with the team's impending move to Vegas, which is really tough for the city of Oakland. Uh, it just sucks. It just sucks. Um, you know, I feel like people point to, why don't well, you know, if they went to the games, maybe they could stay in Oakland. But, like, I feel like too much of lack of team success and money and, like, when a team moves, falls on the fans. It's not the fans' job to make this team a winning ball club. If I was an A's fan, I wouldn't go to that many games. I mean, I might go to more games than the average person because I'm a sicko and I just love watching baseball in general, but why would you go to a game if you're an Oakland A's fan? The stadium is the worst stadium in baseball. It's between that and the Trop. And the team stinks, and every young player they develop who's fun, they trade away. It's It just stinks. I, I wish better for Oakland A's fans because I have no quorum with them. I actually quite like Oakland A's fans. The few that I know or have interacted with on the internet. I enjoy Oakland A's fans. Uh, they're great, especially their commitment to the team is kind of crazy. I think we share that bond, Mariners fans and A's fans. Um, you know, I hope uh, they move to Vegas and, you know, maybe they become relevant and are able to spend money, uh, which really is all this team needs. Uh, but let's just jump into it. So like I said, they won 60 games last year, comfortably one of the worst teams in baseball. Um, did they return anyone of note? Their only positive OPS plus wise hitter that is returning this year is Seth Brown. I do like Seth Brown. Uh, good power hitting first baseman, kind of your, you know, classic three true outcome type first baseman, uh, which is is you know not a bad thing. But he's he's on a bad team. Otherwise, uh, I mean, Ramon Laureano is fun to watch defensively in the outfield. Christian Pache. Can't hit a baseball at the plate, but is you know, 
is a fun center fielder, I guess. I they got a dude named Sky Bolt. Y'all heard of him? Sky Bolt. Uh, I do. I'm a Shea Langoliers believer. Uh, he's back, obviously, with the team. Any in notable pitching back with the team this year? Frankie Montas is gone. Uh, traded him. Didn't even mention that. They traded. Uh, who else? Who else isn't on this team? Cole Irvin they traded, who wasn't even a positive ERA plus guy either, but they traded him away. He threw the most innings on this team last year. It's just it's just depressing to look at this team. Uh, I do find I do try to find players who um, are young who you know if you find yourself watching an A's game, maybe you could watch out for. Uh, they got the guy Estuary Ruiz back in the in the Sean Murphy trade. He was one of the guys who came from the Brewers. He projects to play a lot of games in the outfield this year. Uh, probably be him and Pache in center field. Um, I don't know what to make of Estuary Ruiz. I know he's a really fast runner, so he'll probably swipe quite a few bases if he plays consistently this year. Uh, he's one of the yeah. He was one of the guys I got this off season. Um, they lost Steve Invoked who's now on the Mariners coaching staff. Uh, they lost Chad Pinder. Again, they traded A.J. Puck as well to the Marlins. They traded, um, yeah, Sean Murphy and Cole Irvin. Those are the big losses. And then in terms of additions, uh, they signed Jesus Aguilar, who's, you know, he's a, a you know professional Major League Baseball player. Uh, Trevor May, I, I, I do like Trevor May personally. I think he's cool. Um, potentially could have a resurgence as a relief pitcher and get traded. Jace Peterson, Aledemus Diaz, they did sign like professional major league ball players, which honestly I think automatically makes them a little bit better than they were last year. Um, in terms of who they got back from those trades, Manny Pena, catcher from the Braves. Um, I think he'll he'll be he'll back up Shea Langoliers behind the plate. And then who else? Like I talked about Estra Ruiz. They got a lot of just random prospects back from those trades. Um, the one signing I do want to talk about with the A's is Shintaro Fujinami, a pitcher out of Japan. It's kind of a very interesting career, kind of up and down career for him, but he looked great in spring and I'm pretty high on him coming into this year. Uh, in terms of if you're looking to watch any of these pitchers, he will be interesting to watch at the very least. Um, Ken Waldachuk is one of their top prospects. He'll you know, project to be one of their better starters just because their their rotation's not good, but he at least is, you know, has potential and will be interesting to watch when he comes up and pitches this year. You know, not much else. Not much else. Let's just run through who they're going to start. I like Shea Langoliers. Don't really know if he'll stick behind the plate just because his defense, I don't think, grades out super well, but I do like his bat and the upside there. Potentially, he, he's definitely a not a prototypical catcher build either. He kind of reminds me of of uh, of Harry Ford. I think he's a little bit taller than Harry Ford, but like athletically and power wise, like there's upside there. But I, I don't know. Jesus Aguilar, Seth Brown at first base, Tony Kemp. He's an adult. He'll be playing second base. Nick Allen at shortstop with Aledemus Diaz kind of floating around as a backup for the middle infield. Jace Peterson is not bad, actually. Third baseman. He's an adult, again, who will play baseball. Uh, J.J. Bleday, Connor 
Capel, Seth Brown, Ashray Reeds. They'll all probably see time in left. Probably Seth Brown more than um, Blade, just because Aguilar will be taking over most of the first base duties from Seth Brown. Maybe not against right-handed pitching though. Um, DJ Blade, Blade, if y'all remember, former like, did he go one-one to the Phillies? I want to say, Wait, or no, to the Marlins, one-four. Um, I was thinking of Mickey Moniak. Uh, JJ Blade, for, like former first round pick. So, there, I mean, there's at least upside there that in the A's is the perfect place for him to go and play a lot because there's no one really blocking him from playing more than he would on most teams. Again, there's upside with Christian Pache, who they got back from the Braves last year. Same with Estuary Ruiz. And then, like, right field, Ramon Laureano, Connor Capel. I. I like Ryan Noda at their DH with Jesus Aguilar. Ryan Noda has upside. Just he just potentially he just has a lot of raw power graded out really well, and he'll make his debut this year. And he's a Dodgers prospect, so I put more faith in him than a lot of people. And he he raked in the minors. Seems very much three true outcome DH corner outfielder, first baseman, uh, like thirty home run plus potential. Like he hit. 29 home runs in double A in 2021, 25 in 2022. And so he could be up sock and dingers for this team, be one of their more positive hitters this year if his development goes right. But then in terms of their pitching staff, I talked about Shintaro Fujinami, uh, Paul Blackburn, James Caprillian, Kyle Muller, Drew Rasinski, JP Sears, Ken Waldachuk. These are all names. Um, really, no one projects to be above average. Uh, I mean, Ken Waldachuk has the most upside here. And Shintaro Fujinami, again, looks good in spring, but I don't put a whole lot of stock into, into spring training going into the year, especially with a guy we haven't seen pitch um, stateside, really. I mean, he he's 29, Shintaro Fujinami. I know he's bounced around all over and has made his way. He had kind of a breakout the past couple of years. He's made his way to the bigs, and I like him. I like him, so... Maybe watch his starts. I don't know. Then the bullpen, like, Trevor May is probably their best reliever. Danny Jimenez isn't bad. Like, Domingo Acevedo, who notably gave up the home run to Big Dumper uh, to send Seattle to the playoffs last year. You know, Chad Smith. Drew Steckenrider is in this bullpen. The Stekosaurus, former Mariner. Uh, you get where I'm going with this. I'm going straight to the over-unders because I don't have much else to say about the A's, except I'm sorry if you're an A's fan just about the state of this team. I really am sorry. They are the lowest projected team on this list, lower than the Nationals by a game. 59.5, though, I'm taking the over. I like They they won 60 games last year. They won 59-60 right where they should have. And I think they got better this offseason just because they signed guys like Jesus Aguilar uh, Aledemus Diaz, Trevor May, like those are professional big leaguers, which is an upgrade on what they kind of had last year. So I think they win in the low 60s this year, which again isn't good, but I'm going over the 59 and a half. I think that's honestly really low. I think the Nationals are worse than this team. Um, but that's it for the A's. I'm done with the A's. You can move on to the saucy middle of this uh, division. We'll, we'll start with the Rangers here. This is where things get spicy with this division. You have you have the Astros projected to win the division by a good margin, and they probably will. And then you have the middle 
uh, Rangers, Angels, and Mariners, all are projected in the 80s wins. I think the Mariners are projected a little bit more. Um, but you have like the Rangers and Angels both kind of projected to be, you know, wild card contenders. Um, I think the Angels probably rightly so should be projected a little bit higher than the Rangers, but, um, we'll get into their, what they did this off season. But last year, the Rangers went 68 and 94, which if you watch them at all, not your guess, probably like that's really low win total and their Pythagorean win loss. Probably. I think the biggest difference, uh, that 77 and 85, uh, and it's because they lost so many one run ball games last year for whatever reason, there's always a certain amount of luck in one run games. There's management in one run games that might make you win a couple more. There's, you know, bullpen management. Uh, there's just clutch hitting. There's just good bullpen arms. What what have you? They lost a lot of one run games last year, so they were a way better team than 68 wins. Like they were definitely a mid 70s win team, which still isn't good, but definitely an improvement. Um, and it shows that like you know they're investing a lot of money into this team. Like they signed Semyon and Corey Seager, and it was like, you know, putting two of you know the best middle infielders in the league on a pretty shitty team. And we saw what happened. They weren't amazing. They were merely just kind of a decent team who got unlucky for sure. Uh, and the bullpen wasn't good, and the pitching wasn't good. Um, but they tried to address that this off season. Uh, they returned most of the team. They didn't lose too many guys. And they're projected to win around like 79-ish games, depending on who you ask. Uh, you know, high 70s, low 80s is where this team is expected to finish. And it makes a lot of sense. There's a lot of uh, high risk with the signings they made and with this team in general. Uh, and a, a lower floor than the Angels, the Mariners, and the Astros, but a high ceiling like the ceiling of this team is a wild card team who you know again once you make it to the playoffs and if their starters are healthy as of right now uh, a dangerous team in the playoffs dare I say by just because of the top of the rotation and the impact bats in the middle of the lineup uh, but what did they do this offseason it continued what they did last offseason and spend money uh, spend money on, on good players to improve this team in the short term. It's very unsustainable what this Rangers team is doing, but if I was a Rangers fan, I'd be hyped because there's not like a whole lot of, you know, top, top MLB prospects coming through the system. I'll talk about like one or two on this team right now, but it's not like they were looking at a very bright future from a youth perspective, but ownership and front office clearly want to win. And they're going to commit money to doing that. So it's, you know, it's not sustainable, but I would be happy if I was a fan because the team is clearly wanting to win baseball games um, and showing you that by signing these these players. So they didn't lose too many guys. Like I said, they they lost Matt Moore. Uh, they lost Kevin Ploiecki. They lost Charlie Culberson, Cole Calhoun, um, like traded Nick Solak, Coley Allard. You know, really not too many you know, awesome dudes leaving this organization from last year. And then the additions are, are really good. They really improved the team. They signed Will Smith, the bullpen pitcher, Will Smith, not the catcher, obviously. They signed Robbie Grossman. Uh, and then obviously the 
the big ones. Uh, they signed Nate Eovaldi, they signed Andrew Heaney, and they signed Jacob DeGrom. Uh, and then they also, oh, they also lost, um, they traded Jake, uh, for Jake Odorizzi. So they really addressed their biggest issue last year, and that was pitching. Uh, so really from a need basis, this offseason uh, is a good offseason. It's a successful offseason for them. Uh, and running through just kind of the the lineup and the the makeup of this team, we saw Jonah Heim last year kind of break out as one of the um, better defensive catchers behind the plate with his offense, you know, chucking along. But you have a guy who's seemingly ready to catch better arms than he did last year, and he's going to get to this year. Uh, he's going to catch a lot better pitchers with a lot better stuff this year. So that projects to go well. They got Nathaniel Lowe at first base, who's just a classic slugger at first base. And then, you know, we know Marcus Semien and Corey Seager at second and short. Um, Really good season for them last year. Continuing uh, Marcus Semien being one of the more consistent and across the board just kind of good at everything, like as bad as his best thing, but he's a solid defensive second baseman, and he runs the bases. He's pretty smart on the base path. And then Corey Seager had a great year last year. And only projects to be marginally better this year because the shift ban, he is a very trendy pick for one of the top um, reapers of the shift getting, you know, moved around. He he hits the ball to the right side of the field a lot, so he'll probably, his batting average will jump up a couple ticks compared to last year. Uh, at least, ex- like, expected batting average probably will align with more um, his real batting average this year compared to last year. And then third base... This is where the prospects come into play. You got Josh Young, Josh Young, and then Ezekiel Duran will probably back him up there at third base a little bit. But I know Josh Young is their top prospect. Um, He just projects to be a decent glove, but uh, a lot of raw power, a lot of raw power in his bat. And we'll kind of see what he can provide this team this year. I'm not saying he's an X factor, but if he was, you know, if he produces at league average or a little bit above league average, that could be a really impactful bat that you can put behind um, Semyon and, and Seager. And what we saw from him last year, he came up in September. We saw a super, super high K rate. Not as not very many walks, um, but his like isolated power numbers were fine. Like We saw like when he's connecting with the ball. If he connects with the ball a lot, he's going to hit a lot of home runs. But that is the issue, is connecting with the ball, not striking out, drawing more walks. Another three-true outcome kind of guy. And then Ezekiel Duran, uh, who will probably also back up second base and potentially shortstop, uh, is another one of their young fellas on this team. And he also kind of projects similarly. He Raw power kind of, not off the charts, but raw power is his best tool and then power in general is his best tool. We saw him play more games than Josh Young last year um, with more similar stats, but not as extreme. He struck out about league average rate, didn't draw as many walks as I'd like to see. But again, if he connects with the ball, he's going to connect with the ball pretty hard. And those two guys are projected to slot in as their one and two third baseman. And again, yeah, if either of those guys can produce at a decent level, that's huge for this team. And then moving in the outfield, Robbie Grossman and Bubba Thompson will man left field for them. I don't really believe in either of those two to be great, 
Bubba Thompson's real fast, but that's about it. Um, Leody Tavares in center, although he's hurt right now, so I'm assuming we'll see Bubba Thompson out there playing center field. And then right field, Adolis Garcia. I like Adolis Garcia a lot. Uh, another just just raw power guy. There's a lot of strikeouts in this team. Uh, there's there's a lot of strikeouts and not a lot of on base in this team, but it, I mean at least it it lends itself to the ballpark they play in. Uh, that's that's good. I mean the team is kind of built to hit dingers, and um, that's probably what they'll do. Like Adolis Garcia is real fast. Like but like he had 27 home runs last year. He's a potential. His ceiling, I see him as like a, a 30, 30, 30 guy. Like that's his ceiling ceiling. Uh, he was a 2020 guy last year, 27 home runs, 25 stolen bases. I see him producing 2020 seasons from here on out if he's healthy. Uh, he was really healthy the past two years. And I just like Adolis Garcia a lot. He, still, he strikes out a, a good amount and walks a little bit low league average again very emblematic of this entire team, but that's fine if you're putting up 27 home runs, 25 stolen bases. Like, I'll, I'll take those numbers any day of the week, and it's not an outlier. All of his expected stats look pretty similar. 112 WRC+, plus, really strong arm and really fast in right field, so he's kind of built for right field um, just in terms of throwing guys out at the plate and stuff. Uh, I like Adolis Garcia. Definitely their strongest outfielder. Center field and left field are huge questions, massive questions for this team. Uh, and that's where I can see it faltering a little bit, especially because Leody Tavares projects to play the most center field, and he's hurt with an oblique right now. I don't know what his outlook is, but DH will probably be probably see a little Mitch Garver, backup catcher DH, maybe maybe a little Brad Miller, maybe a little Josh Jung if he's not playing third base very well. I don't know. Josh Smith is in here. Um, that's kind of the offense. Uh, again, a lot of strikeouts, but two premier bats in the middle of the lineup. I think Adolis Garcia is good. Nathaniel Lowe's good. Jonah Heim and uh, Jonah Heim offensively is, yeah, whatever. But like Nathaniel Lowe, Marcus Semien, Corey Seager, and um, Adolis Garcia as your top four hitters is good. It just falls off pretty steeply after that with relying on Josh Young to produce a lot this year, which... He could, he could. I just don't, I just don't know. His strikeout rate was so high in his small sample last year, but um, they obviously hope he can cut down on that and hit hit a lot of dingers like the rest of his team probably will. And then pitching is just so interesting. Uh, Martin Perez, by far their best pitcher last year, threw a lot of innings. Uh, just a workhorse, had his the best year of his career. I expect his raw numbers to kind of regress this year, but I do expect him to still throw the most innings on this team, and that's really all you can ask for at this point. Uh, John Gray, again, I don't know, he'll probably throw a lot of innings. I just i am not super high on John Gray. And then their new signings, uh, Jacob deGrom, Nate Yavaldi, and Andrew Heaney. Andrew Heaney finally has had the, the breakout we've been expecting from him the past... <laughs> You know, how many years has he been on the Angels? Five, and then he goes across the city to the Dodgers um, and puts up great numbers in his limited time with the Dodgers. And so there's optimism there. I worry about his health. I worry about if that was a fluke. Uh, But then you got Nate Eovaldi and Jacob deGrom. Uh, High risk. Very high risk. Um, Particularly, like, 
this whole rotation, I'm not worried about Martin Perez staying healthy. I'm worried about the entire rotation staying healthy because after those five, it gets pretty ugly. You got Dane Dunning and like Cole Reagans and Jake Odorizzi. Like, I'm not wanting those guys to throw more than 50 innings in a start, like starting role this year. I And they might end up having to because, you know, Jacob DeGrom will probably get hurt. He's already a little hurt. Nate Evaldi again, health is a question mark. And just production is a question mark from Nathan Evaldi as well because he's just been such an up and down pitcher his whole career in terms of production. So you can kind of pencil him in to do something, but he's just real volatile. Um, And Jacob DeGrom, no question about it, when he's throwing the baseball, is the best pitcher in the league. And it's it's not super close. Um, He is the best pitcher in the league when he's throwing the baseball. Uh, And I think probably if he throws, I don't know, 20 starts would be a rousing success this year for them. And again... If they manage to squeak into the playoffs as a wild card team, your top guy being Jacob DeGrom, if he's healthy, is huge to win that first game. And then maybe Nate Ivaldi, a combination of him and Heaney in the next game, uh, Martin Perez uh, in the third game, giving your team an opportunity to win, giving you a quality start. I'm just saying the top of the rotation can get a wild card series and win it if they're healthy if they're healthy. And it's mainly because Jacob DeGrom, you put him in, you're probably going to win that ball game, man. He's insane. He is insane. The bullpen is where things went awry for this team last year. I think the starters just didn't work deep enough into, into games last year. They got shelled early. Besides Martin Perez, they just got shelled early. They didn't give the bullpen much of a chance to even close games out. Um, and then, you know, they if they did hold it to a, a one-run lead and keep it that way, the offense didn't really deliver for them. Like, they have Jose LeClerc out there, Jonathan Hernandez, Brock Burke, like Will Smith they signed, Josh Boers, Cole Reagans will throw in the bullpen, Ian Kennedy's out there. Like, Dane Dunning, Oda Rizzi, all those backup starters, I said, will be in the bullpen as well. Uh, I just, I still think it's thin. I think it's pretty thin. And any injuries to this pitching staff, I can see things going real awry. So this team is this team is is very low floor, like mid seventies win total, low seventies even floor, uh, and potentially mid to high eighties ceiling is what this team is. Um, it's almost entirely based on health of their pitching staff. Uh, and I just, I the the bottom half of the lineup is bad. The bottom half of the lineup is not good. But the middle, the top half in the middle of the lineup is great. So, um, this team, like, everyone else got better in this division, too. The Mariners got a little bit better. The Angels got better. The Astros um, either remained the same or got a little better. I'll talk about them. And, you know, the Rangers got better, too. It's a tough division. It's a very tough division. Uh, and then another the big another big ad I haven't even talked about yet. They hired Bruce Belchi as their manager, which I think will win them a couple more games this year. Uh, he's a real big league manager. We know he can win. He's not going to come out of retirement to lose games. He's going to want to win. And so I think it makes this team a little bit more scary that Bruce Belchi is their manager. Uh, and it's just it's very hard to predict. It's so hard to predict health. 
like Jacob DeGrom is one of those guys you can almost predict his health, but what if he just throws 170 innings this year in like 25 starts? What if he does that? That raises the ceiling of this team exponentially. Uh, and then prospect-wise, not really looking out for many prospects this year besides Josh Young. That's really it. Not a very good system. Uh, and that's that's it for the Rangers. What is their over-under? It is... 82 and a half on bet MGM. Ooh. 82 and a half. I'm going to take the under. If it was like 80 and a half, I might say over. But I'm going to take the under on 82 and a half with the Texas Rangers. And that is a wrap for that team. And now we can move on to talk about the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Could this be? Could this be the year, y'all? Could this be the year? The year we saw Shohei Otani and Mike Trout face off in the championship of the WBC. Do you think that bodes well for these Los Angeles Angels? Could this be the year they finally make the playoffs and make a run? Uh, you know, who knows? It's definitely a better team than they've had in a while. Uh, that's for sure. This team last year... They ended up 73 and 89 with a 76 and 86 Pythagorean record. Mike Trout missed a lot of last year. Well, I shouldn't say a lot. He played 119 games. He missed he missed a decent amount, but when he played, he was MVP caliber, as Mike Trout tends to be. Um, Shohei Otani was insane. Probably would have won MVP if it hadn't been for a certain New York Yankee hitting 62 home runs and putting up like 11. War, um, Shohei, you know, you still could have made a case for him being the MVP. If he plays a full season, he should theoretically be the MVP every year because he's doing insane MVP things at the plate and pitching. It's, it's, people, I feel like you're getting tired of hearing about how good Shohei Otani is and how much praise he gets, but I don't think he gets enough praise, dude. It's insane what he's doing on the baseball field. And, as a person whose closest stadium is uh, the Angels Stadium and getting to see him last year uh, play the Mariners was a real treat. He's just, he's also really likable. Like, he's on the Angels, so I inherently dislike him as a Mariners fan, but as just a person and a baseball fan, oh man, he's awesome. He's so nice. I mean, the speech he gave before Japan played the U.S. in the final of that game was like, we respect them, but we shouldn't look up to them because we're trying to beat them. And he's like, he should have just looked the U.S. team in the eyes and been like, hey, we all really respect you and we look up to you, but it's because of that that we're going to beat your ass and win the WBC. Um, I could talk about Shohei for a long time, but this team's projected around 85 wins. Higher projection than a lot of Angels teams, and for good reason. Uh... Really, they returned the most important guys from last year. Like, Jared Walsh is still there. Luis Renjifo's still there. Um, they did lose Brandon Marsh in a trade, uh, but they still got Mike Trout. They still got Taylor Ward. They still got Shohei Otani. They still have uh, Patrick Standoval. They still have Reed Detmers. Uh, and they made some good signings this year to improve the team. And what were those signings? Ooh, also, Jimmy Herget, before we talk about their bullpen. He's real fun to watch from the relief position. He throws a sidearm, but a very unconventional sidearm. Despite sidearm already being unconventional, he's really cool. 
uh, and also Patrick Sandoval, fantastic year last year. Just great year. Like, the pitching staff was actually good last year. Noah Syndergaard was above average when he pitched, only pitched 80 innings uh, for this team. Reed Detmers was very good. I mean, he threw the no-hitter early in the year when they were the best team in baseball for a stretch, uh, and he only projects to get better as he's young. Uh, Patrick Sandoval, as I said, again, very good year, and Shohei obviously had a Cy Young year, basically. Uh, and Jose Suarez wasn't was was right around league average in 100 innings last year too. And Michael Lorenzen was hovering around league average. Like the 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 pitching wasn't especially the issue, nor was the offense really when they were fully healthy. It's just that when this team was hurt, they were garbage like the replacement level players in this team were maybe the worst in the league and that is why the team was so bad uh and this offseason they they addressed those issues to an extent they addressed them pretty well um so who did they lose kurt suzuki who was on this team they lost uh, they lost michael lorenzen they lost archie bradley they lost matt duffy and then they lost they traded a few prospects um like to the Brewers and then the Twins, but they they didn't play last year for the Major League team, so won't talk about them. And they signed Matt Moore, who had a decent season last year. They signed Brett Phillips as a somewhat depth Brandon Marshy type replacement, and also had great vibes. I'm upset he's in an Angels jersey. They signed Brandon Drury, who had a great year last year, provides tremendous value off the bench in a utility role. He can play every position. His bat is a little above average, um, great utility player. They signed Carlos Estevez and Justin Garza, Chris Davinsky. They even signed to kind of bulk up the depth of the bullpen. Uh, and then they their their big big signing, I guess, was Tyler Anderson, which uh, helps their rotation just in terms of innings. He'll throw a lot of innings and bulks up the rotation. So um, they addressed a little bit of the pitching needs. But then they also traded for Hunter Renfro and Gio Urshela. Uh, and those are good trades. I, they gave up three prospects for Hunter Renfro, but prospects I've never heard of from low in the Angels system. So I don't want to you know, shit on those prospects, but they're you know, not very highly touted guys. And Hunter Renfro will um, be a starter for this team and hopefully provide some stability and play a lot. And then Gio Urshela, they needed a shortstop slash third baseman because as much as they'd hope Anthony Rendon plays a full season, he probably won't. And Joe Urshela can play third and shortstop. And shortstop is really what they needed last year because uh, David Fletcher didn't play the whole year and he's fine when he plays, but they had to play like Andrew Velasquez there last year who was pretty garbage. Um, <laughs> and so really what this team did is raise the floor. The ceiling remains the same. The ceiling is if Mike Trout and Shohei Otani are playing, this is a potential playoff team who can make a run. The ceiling is entirely based on those two players. And then, um, like, Taylor Ward is a good player, and Jared Walsh is fine, but Taylor Ward is probably the third best hitter besides Rendon. And, like, Rendon's health is part of uh, their ceiling, but the floor was so, so low last year. So when you saw all these guys get hurt, that is when things went completely awry. Um, so this team's got a pretty high ceiling, and they just raised the floor of this team. Like I don't think this team is capable of losing 
more than 89 games like they did last year. I think they're better. I think they're at least a, a mid to high 70s win ball club with a high 70s potential to challenge for a wild card spot. Again, it's just relying on health and performance. But like, if Mike Trout and Show here are healthy, we know they're going to perform. And you had a, a little mini breakout of Luis Hernhefo last year, which was encouraging from the second base position. He was an absolute dog against the Mariners for some reason. Uh, and then you have a lot of hope from the catcher position this year. Logan Ohapi, who they got from a trade. And he is their top prospect and potentially the catcher for the Angels for the next, you know, six, seven years. And he appears to to be at least better probably than they got from Max Stassi and Matt Theis last year. So that's an automatic upgrade. Um, Jared Walsh will be still at first base, although he's starting the year hurt. Uh, and then second base will be a little Renhifo Drury action, depending on where Drury's playing that day. Um, and that is just better depth than they had all last year. And then shortstop, I talked about. You got Gio Urshela probably playing the lion's share of second or shortstop, unless Rendon gets hurt. Then he'll play third. And then we'll probably see a lot of Fletcher Renhifo like we did last year if they remain healthy. Um, then Anthony Rendon is coming into the year healthy. And we'll play third. Um, how much will he play is the real question. But if he plays, I, I'm, you know, he's probably not ever going to play up to the worth of his deal that he got. But he's better than their other third base options when he's playing. So they just hope he can play most of the season. And then the outfield's honestly good. I mean, they have Taylor Ward, who, who's great. He can rake. Uh, he'll be in left. Mike Trout obviously, will be manning center field, and he's still a fantastic, above-average, amazing baseball player. Hunter Renfro in right field. And then Brett Phillips kind of floating around as a... Brett Phillips and Joe Adele, I guess, floating around as depth pieces. I still think they could use another outfielder because their backups are Brett Phillips, Mickey Moniak, and Joe Adele. And Brett Phillips is honestly a pretty good backup just for defense and base running and vibes purposes and can play all those positions. Joe Adele, I think, is honestly a cooked product, former Angels top prospect. We've heard that before. Same with Mickey Moniak, who I mentioned earlier, who, again, former um, 1-1 overall pick by the Phillies a while ago, like 2016, 2017, and just hasn't left up to the hype. Didn't look good at all last year when he played. And then their DH position's all right, man. They got this dude, Shohei Otani, who will DH and pitch. Uh, it's crazy. He does both. Did you know that? So... The line, again, the lineup is fine. They have more depth. They still don't have amazing depth, but it's so much better than it was last year. So, again, the floor of this team is they're going to be at least pretty good probably most of the year, unless they get super, super unlucky with health. Uh, and then the pitching staff, Shohei, the ace, Patrick Sandoval, like I said, Reed Detmers, Jose Suarez, and Tyler Anderson. That is a good five. After that, it's, you know, it's iffy, but uh, Tucker Davidson, Griffin Canning, and Chase Silseth all, I think, can be decent starting pitchers and good enough to at least give your team chances to win every so often. And I don't I don't think it's terrible depth there, but it depends on Shohei's health. I think Tyler Anderson will throw a lot of innings and be really useful as a late, uh, as just an inning guy. 
Um, Patrick Sandoval, I do think is great, and him and Shohei is a one-two is a solid one-two. Reed Detmers, I, I I really like, and I think he'll improve at least marginally this year. And Jose Suarez is a fine like fourth or fifth starter with Tyler Anderson. It's a good starting five. It's a good starting five. The bullpen is where bullpen depth at least they they have a lot of bullpen pitchers, which I guess is good. Like Carlos Estevez is solid. Jimmy Herget, who I mentioned, is so weird, but also really fun to watch and pretty solid. Uh, Ryan Tapera's all right. Matt Moore, who they signed, is a good arm who'll throw a lot of innings. Aaron Loop is, is good as a lefty. Jaime Berea is all right out there. Uh, ben Joyce, the kid from Tennessee, will probably start. Uh, will probably pitch a decent amount out of the bullpen. The the dude from Tennessee who threw 105 miles an hour last year looks really frightening, and is one of those rare uh, college pitchers who will get drafted and might not even ever pitch in the minors. Um, a uh, oh my god, no! Who is it? Who am I thinking of? Oh my god. I'm totally blanking. I'm totally blanking. Arizona State never pitched in the minors. Oh, Mike Leak. That's what I'm thinking of. He never pitched in the minors. Um, there's more guys like that, but Ben Joyce has potential to do that. Um, bullpen's probably the weakest area of this team, for sure. I can see that, uh, them closing out games being an issue. But hopefully the, uh, the stars in the offense do enough to at least give the bullpen some runs to work with, you know? This team... This team, again, high ceiling, decent floor, raise the floor of this team, but really it's all about Shohei and Trout and Rendon's health. Um, otherwise, it's tough division. It's kind of a loaded wild card. They're, they're probably just as good as a lot of the other wild card teams to compete with. The third wild card spot makes this team more interesting. Uh, but, I man, I don't know. The big looming question is Shohei. Um, will they trade him? Like, what if they're just terrible uh, to start the year and by the trade deadline they're so out of the playoff picture that they're like, screw it, we should just get some value out of him? I thought they should have traded him last year uh, just because I, I, there's no way he re-signs. Because the owner, um, Moreno, Artie Moreno, committed himself to the team again to the chagrin of all Angels fans everywhere. It was hilarious. They were so pissed because he's just a bad owner. Uh, he's not going to re-sign Shohei Otani. He's going to sign $500 million to play with the Dodgers or the Yankees or the Mets or the Seattle Mariners or something. Doubtful with the Mariners. But uh, that's the that's the looming question with this team. Do they trade in midseason? Do they just play it out, let them walk, and hope with a wing and a prayer that they can re-sign him at the end of the year? I think that's a poor strategy, but that is the narrative of this team this year. Is the fate of Shohei Otani, the best baseball player in the world. Where will he be playing next season? That is the big question. Uh, if he re-signs with the Angels, I think it'll be an awful business decision, and I don't think he'll do that. So I've, lo- I've been very vocal about him being a Dodger next year. He's moment free agency hits. He's $500 million, Dodger blue, moving across the city. Uh, see you later, Angels of Anaheim. Yeah, uh, so that that is this team. Prospects perspective, really like Silseth and Ohapi are the only two I can see making any big league impact this year of you know reasonable value. So not many prospects to look out for. And then 
In terms of their over-under, it's set by BetMGM at 80.5, and I will take the over, honestly. I think that is a little low. Uh, I'm surprised Texas was 82.5 and the Angels were 80.5. But I'll take the over. I'll take the over on that. Pretty confident in that. Uh, and that is the Angels. We'll move on to the final team in the preview, the Houston Astros. I mean, what what is there to say about the Houston Astros? I mean, they've been the benchmark in the MLB the past six years, like cheating aside. And even in the cheating year, you could still make a case they were the best team and probably would have won the World Series anyway. Um, but they, again, they've been the benchmark for how to run a team the past six years, man. They... A player development's off the charts, really smart with how they've spent their money, how they've extended guys, and just what's even a success this year. They won 106 games last year, 106 and 56, and their Pythag was exactly that. So they didn't win or lose any more than they should have. They beat the Phillies. They no-hit the Phillies in the World Series with a few pitchers, which is insane given the offensive tear that the Phillies were on the entire October uh, and they're projected this year to win the division again and win 93-ish games. That's what their projections are sitting at, uh, which is low given this team. Um, not a super busy offseason this year uh, in terms of, like, like what is their su- success going into this year? And it's it's winning the World Series again. I mean, there's not much else they can do at this point. They've won it twice the past six years. They've been in the World Series, like, what, four times now in that span. Uh, the benchmark is getting to the World Series and winning it for this team. And they could easily do it again. This team's insanely good. I don't think anyone will be that close to beating them in the division this year. I mean, unless things really go wrong, but... They should win this division again, uh, and they should, you know, be expected to go to the World Series again out of the AL. <laughs> They're probably the best team in the American League still. With, I guess, yeah, no, they are. They definitely are. Um, in terms of their off season, again, not not super, super busy. They did lose um, that dude, uh, Justin Verlander. Um, they lost Trey Mancini, mutual option declined. He was a midseason pickup and really was awful for them down the stretch in the playoffs. I expect he'll have a better year this year, but not much production loss from them in terms of Trey Mancini. They lost Will Smith out of the bullpen. Um, they lost uh, Josh James. They non-tendered him. Ledimus Diaz, Christian Vasquez, Yuli Gurriel, and Jason Castro. So two catchers out, of, out the door. Uh, and But who did they gain? They didn't make really any major league signings besides Jose Abreu. They they, they lost Yuli Gurriel from the starting first baseman, and they replaced him with Jose Abreu. A gargantuan upgrade. (laughs) Otherwise, the team's pretty unchanged from last year. Uh, I would say losing Verlander out of the rotation, but then replacing Jose Abreu or replacing Yuli Gurriel with Jose Abreu is is equal. I'm going to count that as equal. Uh, That is just, what a smart, they did that pretty soon too in the offseason. Like, what a smart addition. A guy who really fits the mold of this team too. Like, he obviously, we know him for his pop. Recently, he's won MVP. Um, 
just a veteran presence, but also just like swings at the right pitches. Like I think part of why Jose Abreu is so underrated, at least on a national stage, people do see him as this slugger at first base, and he is, but he's such a patient hitter uh, who walks a lot and really swings at doesn't chase a lot. He swings at a lot of pitches in the zone and hits them really well and has been consistently, since he's been in the majors, one of the the best hitters in the league. One of the best hitters, one of the most productive, one of the most healthy. Uh, I mean, since... I'm looking at his game logs right now. Since 2014, he came up in 2014 with the White Sox. He hasn't played less than 128 games, besides the COVID year where he played every game. In 2018, he played 128 games, and I think that's when he like broke his hand or something, if I remember correctly. Um, that's the lowest amount of games he's played in a season. That's insane. He's consistently played 150-plus in his career, uh, average-wise, which is such a big asset. I guess you can't, you can't continue to rely on that year over year as he gets older, but he's not playing a very demanding position, and he doesn't run the bases particularly hard. He does what he does really well. And I think this year he'll only project to have more home runs than last year because uh, White Sox, their home ballpark, is not doesn't lend itself too well in terms of park factor to right-handed power hitters. But boy, did the Crawford boxes do. So I think he'll only increase his power from last year, I guess, unless he really dips in strength. But... What a signing, a really aggravating signing, just so smart, so prudent, so Astros, uh, but that's their first baseman, and then most importantly, they kept Martin Maldonado, who's been a staple of this team for years, one of the prime examples of an awful hitter who's constantly hitting ninth in their lineup, but one of the best defensive catchers in the league, one of the like pitchers have talked about how awesome it is to throw the ball to Martin Maldonado, and that is so pivotal to winning a World Series. If your catcher can hit and be good defensively, that's fine. But when your lineup is this good, you don't need that, and they haven't. Uh, and then backing up is 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 interesting. The backup catcher is an interesting conversation. Uh, Corey Lee, uh, one of their top prospects, will be the backup this year instead of... Um, like who I said they lost, uh, like Jason Castro or Christian Vasquez. And he'll be fine. I think he projects to be all right. But Martin Maldonado has also just generally been pretty healthy, so he won't have to play a whole lot just when Martin needs an off day. Uh, and then Jose Abreu, obviously, at first. And then um, the, the, the bad vibes thing going into this season for them is the Jose Altuve injury. Um, his thumb injury from the WBC, he's expected to miss, I think, at least like April and probably a decent amount of May. Uh, I assume if he's fully healthy the rest of the year, he'll probably play like 400 plate appearances, like two-thirds of the season, which is pretty good. But it's tough to start the year like that because they don't really have a a set backup. They got uh, David Hensley looks like he slotted in to be their backup. Uh, one of their one of their top prospects, a classic Astros pick, uh, round 26, pick 28, comes up last year uh, in 16 games. He slashes 345, 441, 586, 194 WRC plus. Obviously, he won't continue to do that, but I think they're probably pretty confident in him holding down second base while Jose Altuve is out. He showed really good plate discipline 
Um, again, fits the, the Astros mold of um, low chase rate, high walk rate, low K, um, and putting the ball in play on good pitches that he wants to hit, it looks like. Uh, he's also 6'6 at the second base position, which what a difference from Jose Altuve to David Hensley. That's like the the judge and Altuve picture. That's like if David Hensley and Jose Altuve were standing right next to each other. They go from the smallest second baseman to the tallest one. Pretty funny. Uh, and then shortstop, we know Jeremy Pena, one of the most jacked dudes in the league. Um, World Series MVP, ALCS MVP as a rookie. Insane postseason. Had a, a somewhat up and down year last year in the regular season, but I think he'll take that postseason momentum and probably be a three to four uh, win shortstop this year. Uh, crazy that the Astros handed the keys over to him at shortstop premium position after Carlos Correa was so good for them. And we're just like, yeah, kid, we believe in you. And he, he delivered again, he, a little bit of a, of a topsy turvy regular season, but again, he was so pivotal to their playoff run and he'll be an everyday guy in this lineup. And again, he's so jacked. Have you seen him? He's huge. (laughs) Um, and he only projects to get better with their player development system. Uh, so not too worried about that. And then Bregman, again, obviously one of the longest tenured guys on this team, staple of this team, uh, really healthy last year. But Alex Bregman is such a unique and good hitter. Uh, great defensively, too. Still has just been one of the best third basemen in the league since he's come up, since he's played his first full season in 2017 has been a top five third baseman easily uh defensively offensively uh doesn't strike out really walks more or at least as much as he strikes out which is insane again that astros mold of low strikeout high walk swings at great pitches has good enough power to put uh balls in the crawford boxes at their home park and is infuriating to watch and play against uh, and then Jordan in left. We know Jordan, MVP caliber player, absolutely rakes. Uh, maybe the most terrifying player to pitch to from a, a opposing fan perspective. I am frightened every time he comes up to the plate because anything in the middle of the zone, you can he's going to deposit over the wall 450 feet away, and he'll hit the ball as hard as he possibly can. He's terrifying. And then center field's interesting. They got Chaz McCormick will probably play a lot. Jake Myers was not healthy at all last year. But he's healthy coming into the year. Uh, and that's huge for them from a depth perspective. Because last year he only played 52 games and didn't look great at the plate in those 52 games. But uh, defensively, I know his defense grades out well in center field. Same with Chaz McCormick. So less offensive production than like in the past with George Springer from that position, but defensively they'll be fine. Um, and that'll only help their, their pitching staff. And then Kyle Tucker and right Kyle Tucker, one of the best players in baseball, uh, all around great player, good fielder, good base runner, uh, amazing bat, just comical. His swing, to be honest, uh, um, he, he swings his bat, like a cartoon character. Like it's like Fred Flintstone swinging his club around. That's what Kyle Tucker looks like when he's swinging his bat. Looks like he's a, a bigger and longer bat than every person in the league. Uh, and like every time he hits a ball, it's just like the sound of like sound effect of like wallop. 
He wa- like wallop. Wow. Like that's what it sounds like to me coming off the bat. It's so weird. Such a unique swing, but he's a great player. Also infuriating to play against. Oh, and they uh, they re-signed Michael Brantley, who will DH for them uh, for the most part this year, which is a good signing, um, re-signing. Uh, I know he was injured for the playoffs last year. He was vocal about being quite upset that he missed the playoffs with this team, even though he got a ring anyway. And he'll he's still hurt going into the year shoulder-wise, but he'll probably play half the year at the DH position. And he's still an above-average hitter. Again, uh, low K, high walk, good average just hitter uh, who is, you know, aging but still very good at what he does. So that's the lineup is, you know, it's not it's not as good of a lineup as, like, actually, I don't know. This lineup is insane. The bottom half I have worries about because the bottom half will be, like, Chaz McCormick or Jake Myers and, like, Maldonado and Hensley. Mauricio Dupont, even, uh, Corey Lee. The bottom of the lineup is is worse than it has been in the past, but the top and the middle is insanely good. Uh, you have a lineup that it'll be Jeremy Pena, Bregman, Alvarez, Tucker, Abreu, Brantley. That is an insane, insane top few hitters and then when Altuve comes back it's just even better like that's absurd it makes me so mad Uh, but they're just a machine this team will probably be the best offense in the AL maybe maybe the Blue Jays will edge them out but it's frightening and the pitching is the only real question mark the the back half of the rotation Framber is awesome Uh, workhorse really unique pitcher Um, really just a insanely hard pitcher to hit against in every way. He's super crafty. Uh, he's not a huge strikeout guy, but huge ground ball, soft contact inducer, and he just throws a lot of innings. Him and Christian Javier and Luis Garcia and Urquidy, for that matter, all are just good pitchers who will give you a lot of innings and put you in winning positions uh, to hand it off to one of the best bullpens in the league as well. Uh, the back half of the rotation is interesting to me because Lance McCullers is there. He's hurt right now again. You know he's probably will be hurt again. He's pretty injury prone. And then Hunter Brown is is he their top prospect? I think he's their number one prospect. Uh, he they basically are just saying, hey, you're Justin Verlander now. <laughs> Obviously not literally, but elite fastball, curveball, slider combo, high velocity looks every bit as the real deal and he he's hurt right now too with a back injury but he'll throw a lot of innings for this team this year probably and if he's as advertised they're not really going to be too mad about having Justin Verlander not be on this team and having Hunter Brown just be like okay I'm fine with that I'll I'll pick up the slack Uh, and he probably will but then it's the Astros so any more injuries to this pitching staff They'll probably bring up some dude you've never heard of, and he'll be a great pitcher, a la Framber, Christian Javier, Luis Garcia, Jose Urquidy. Like, they just do. It's just the Astros. They do that. They'll call up these dudes, and all of a sudden, they'll be fantastic pitchers. I just think that's how it's going to be. <laughs> um, their bullpen, again, like I said, will be, if not the best bullpen in baseball. Ryan Presley 
is an elite closer. Rafael Montero is really good. They brought him back. Brian Abreu is just filthy. Um, really good. Hector Neris is fantastic. Ryan Stanek, great. Phil Maton, Seth Martinez, um, all will throw good innings for them this year. Hunter Brown may work out of the bullpen. Him or Lance McCullers, I'm expecting if they're all healthy. Could see a lot of time working out of the bullpen this year too, which just strengthens it even more. But it's it's impending doom if you are losing to this team in the seventh or beyond because between Neris, Abreu, Montero, and Presley, that is a brutal four pitchers to try to hit against. So spoiler alert, I think the Astros are going to win the division again. Uh, I'll say it. I'll be really bold in that. They'll probably win this division again. Their machine... What are they? What's their over/under on BetMGM? Ninety-six and a half, tied with the Dodgers for the highest. I'm gonna take the over. I just I feel bad about not taking the over with this team. I just I find it hard to believe that they won't win at least ninety-four games and most likely in the higher nineties, close to a hundred again. They they're just infuriating, and the rest of the division, albeit the three teams below them, not the A's. Even the A's, uh, the four teams below them, they all at least got a little better. And the Astros kind of remain the same. Less Verlander, more Jose Abreu, and Hunter Brown. I I find it hard to believe they're going to take a huge dip in quality because they lost like Jose Abreu and Christian Vasquez uh, compared to what they brought in. It's just insane, and I hate that they keep getting away with this. <laughs> so I'm going to take the over on 96 and a half here for the Astros. Uh, And that is it. Sound the alarms. Pull the confetti cannons. I'm done with the divisional previews. All I have left to do is the Seattle Mariners team preview, and then the previews will be over, and the season will be here. Can you feel it? We're so close. It's in a few days. I'm so excited for the season to start. If you're listening this far, as always, I appreciate you. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Rate and review. Recommend to your friends. Uh, I had a lot of fun doing these preview pods, but going into the season, I will be doing predominantly Mariners recap sort of shit during the weeks with some some sprinkled in more broader MLB content uh, and then writing some stuff on my Substack as well. So always keep on the lookout for that. But if you listen to these preview pods, if you listen to all these preview pods, uh, DM me. And I'll, uh, we'll meet up and I'll give you a big, big kiss because you deserve it. Uh, but thank you so much for listening. That was the AL West. Uh, in terms of divisional places, I think the Astros will win. I think the Mariners will take second. I think the Angels will be third, the Rangers fourth, and the A's fifth. But this is a really intriguing division just because of the middle of the pack is so similar in terms of projections and and what i think they're going to do so uh this team will definitely get not definitely but most likely get two teams of the playoffs potentially three if things go right for the rangers or the angels really um but yeah that's it uh look out tomorrow for the mariners uh preview if you're a Mariners fan uh but thank you for listening and have a good rest of your day